Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. I want you to stay standing while we read Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2, which in my Bible uh, is prefaced by the translators giving it naming, theming this psalm with this thought, the safety of abiding in the presence of God. So they looked at this whole psalm and they said the theme is the safety of abiding in the presence of God. Psalm 91 and verse one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place. Don't let anybody ever take the mystery out of your faith. There's a secret place. If you think you've got God figured out, hear those words, the secret place. There are mysteries to God. There is wonder in God. And we seek Him. John, how do you find the secret place? You look for it. You look for it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide dwell, belong, identify with the shadow, the surrounding, the presence shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Lord, honour us with Your presence. We honour You as our God. We ask you to come fill this auditorium, come fill every life. Let this be a supernatural moment in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, slap a high five with three people, grab a seat. We'll be wonderful. Thank you. As I began my Christian journey at the age of 18, I had two distinct moments that caused me to embark on my journey or spurred me on in my journey of following Jesus. The first moment in my Christian journey happened four weeks after my 18th birthday and that moment is when I gave my life to Jesus. That moment changed my life forever. I went to church on my 18th birthday because my parents gave me a suit for my birthday and the only place I could think of to wear a suit on a Sunday, my, the Sunday was my birthday, April the 20th, all gifts are welcome. And on my, <laughs> on my birthday, I went to church wearing the brand new Pierre Cardin double-breasted suit that my parents had given me for my birthday. I want you to know I looked fly. I rolled into church. I had my brogue shoes, I had my brand new suit, double-breasted, nice paisley tie, and a mullet. <laughs> you can take the boy out of West Auckland, but you can't take the West Auckland out of the boy. Turned up to church that day. Some people thought I was the guest preacher. It was kind of like the, the hair was incongruent with the rest of the look, you know what I mean? Like some people were like, in the world. Other people were like, might be the guest preacher. So they didn't know what to do with me. People shaking my hand like, are you God or the devil? But anyway, we got into the church service. And in the church service, my friends, I want you to know that what, what kind of was before me that day was, well, let's just call it different to what I was used to seeing. 
you know? We had women dancing in the aisles, like waving their hands like this. If you've been in church a while, you may know what I'm talking about. There was one lady came dancing down the aisle with a ribbon. I was like, what the heck is going on? The worship leader, this is a true story. I didn't realize that he was bald. All I know is that I'm standing in the middle of the praise and worship and he was like swaying from side to side. And as he did that, suddenly the hair that was on the top of his head was down over one ear. I was like, what did I have last night? You know what I'm saying? Like nobody else noticed it but me. But in the middle of this strange environment where people had their eyes closed and their hands doing gestures and all kinds of crazy stuff, what I was aware of was that though the behavior was different, people in that auditorium were lifting God up. And as they were lifting God up, something was coming down. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, they had something in their lives that I didn't. I could tell there was a reality a closeness, a proximity, a relationship that they were enjoying that was not in my life. And I was able to see beyond the packaging to see the substance that was in the middle of it. At the end of the service, a guy called Bevan Hirang, he said to me, if you come to church next Sunday, I'll take you surfing after the service. And I need an excuse because I was awakened and so I came back the next week. Pause. There are people every single Sunday arise that need somebody to give them an excuse to come back next week. Come on. In every service, every location, every day, there are people that are coming to church and need somebody to say, come back next week. I'm picking you up. I'm buying you lunch. I'm taking you home. It's done. They need an excuse to come back next week. I was that guy. I came back to church the next week, the week after that. And after four weeks of attending church on May the 12th, my father's birthday, I lifted up my hand, I prayed the prayer, I opened up my life, and I said yes to the wonder of a relationship with Jesus. My life changed that night. Come on, yeah, well, let's give God some praise. There's no greater miracle than anybody ever saying yes to Jesus. My life changed, my trajectory changed, my outlook changed, everything changed. And I was hungry. This God that I had discovered, I knew so little of, and I wanted to learn more. So I went along to our church's foundations course. Around here to rise, we call that Alpha. I went, to the, I went to Alpha once, I went twice, I went three times. Finally, on my third round, the pastor said to me, you kind of need to move on to something else. Let somebody else ask the questions, you know, in the course right now would be really helpful. Why don't you enroll in Bible college? So I'm six months old as a Christian and I'm doing Bible college at night school. I was hungry. But the hungrier I got for God, the more I became aware that there was so much more of God than I had yet. I knew Him. I had a relationship with Him, but there was still so much that I knew was out there that I needed in my life. There's mystery to God. My hunger for the Lord led me to go to a conference in August of the next year. So I've been a Christian now for 16 months where Winky Prattney was preaching on revival for six days, every morning and every evening. Winky Prattney preaching about revival. And of course, in the middle of that conference, I began to come alive with this deep knowledge that God has moved in the past, is powerful, does visit the earth in a miraculous way, and a fire began to be kindled on the inside of me. On the Thursday night of the conference, Winky was about 35 minutes into his message, and 35 minutes in, in August in Auckland, so the windows are closed, it's still winter. 
And in the middle of that auditorium, 35 minutes into his sermon, I felt a wind come rushing through the auditorium. I looked up and no curtains were moving, not on the sides, not on the stage, no windows were opened, but I knew that it wasn't just a natural wind. I knew something special. I could feel it, I could feel it. It wasn't just a wind that touched my body, it was a wind that was causing my heart to race, causing my expectation to lift, and I knew that this was going to be a life-changing night for me. At the end of that service, Winky gave an altar call and I stood to my feet along with hundreds of others and I began to pour out my love for God. I began to confess my sins out loud. You know that's a move of God when people start doing that. And I just leaned into the presence of God and suddenly like waves just rushing over me, the presence of God began to flood my life. For the next 30 minutes, I stood there with my hands lifted constantly towards heaven. That's a move of God in and of itself. You try that. But for 30 minutes, my hands were plastered to the ceiling. Waves of God's presence were washing over me. And it was like God was filling me and identifying me and empowering me and freeing me and changing me as I was lost in the presence of God. On the Saturday night, after six days of that conference, that's a long conference. After the final night meeting on the Saturday night, a bunch of us super spuros decided that we were gonna go and have our own auxiliary prayer meeting. Like we haven't had enough already. So we took off to my friend's house and we began to pray. 10.30 at night, we started praying. The presence that had been there on Thursday night turned up again immediately the moment that we started praying. Immediately, that same feeling that I'd enjoyed for 30 minutes washed into that lounge room. And I knelt in the presence of God and I continued to pray and to worship for what seemed to me like 30 to 40 minutes. At the end of the prayer meeting, I looked at my watch and it was half past two in the morning. We'd been praying for four hours. And I like to make reference to those two moments because in my life, my Christian experience is not just about one moment, it is undeniably about the two. There is the moment where I found Jesus and my life was saved. And there is the moment when I was awakened to the presence of God. I have my salvation moment and I have my presence of God moment. And the first moment saved me, but the second moment empowered me, awakened me, fueled me to discover about our God that God is not just out there, but that God is right here. That God draws close to us. God fills us. God surrounds us. God, God fills us. God overtakes us. God, God empowers us. And if there is one thing that God wants for every single one of His people, it's not just that we would lift Him up, but that we would experience what it is to have Him come near to us, around us, to fill us and to surround us. We were designed to be in the presence of God. Every, every Christian needs to know that you were designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When God created you and I, He created us for a relationship and that the Holy Spirit would be at the center of everything that we are. We are a triune being. You are a body that is in a place of decay. 19-year-olds don't believe me. Everybody 39 above is in agreement. You have a soul, but at the center of who you are is your spirit. 
Your spirit is either dead or alive. And when the Holy Spirit takes his home in your heart, when you say yes to Jesus, that spirit comes alive. But when we read the Bible, we discover that there is more to life than just that. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And only a few verses later, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they waited and the Holy Spirit came. And when you read the book of Acts, you find this phrase being used over and over again. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, did. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Others, filled with the Holy Spirit. And those who were filled with the Holy Spirit, they drove out demons, they healed the sick, they rose the dead back to life. They preached eloquent messages and changed the course of human history. Because they were filled with the presence of God. And church, if there is one thing God wants for every single one of His people, is that God does not want you to live a life that is devoid of His presence. God wants you and I to abide, abide in the presence of God. To know the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in filling us in every moment of every day. We were destined, designed, preordained, put together by God to abide in the presence of God. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather have Jesus in person in this auditorium right now, or have access to the Holy Spirit. John, I don't wanna make it an either or, I would like to have both. Well, Jesus made it an either or. In John chapter 16 and verse seven, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, I wanna say it again, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, the word counselor, is a word that is used to, to name the Holy Spirit. He is the counselor, he is the comforter, but he is the person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, it would be better if you never got to see me in body so that you can then be filled with the presence of God. That you would then be able to abide in the presence of God and church it is the presence of God that we need in the church as believers every day, every Sunday, every moment. What we need is the presence of God. Can I get an amen for that? We need the presence of God. It's the presence of God that makes us more than a lion's club. I'm not dissing the lions but they're out there giving money, doing good works, making a difference in the lives of others. That's what we do around here. 10,000 volunteer hours a week by Arise people are invested in helping to make the world a better place, feeding children, mentoring teenagers, providing role models for youth, reconciling marriages, helping people get free of their addictions, helping people to get their finances in order, teaching self-esteem and parting self-esteem into a new generation. We're helping people to grow, flourish in their businesses. This is what the church does. But you know what? Moses put it so eloquently when in Exodus 33, he said, unless your presence goes with us, Unless your presence goes with us, don't send us up from here because what else will distinguish us from all other nations on earth? And church, it is the presence of God that makes church, church. 
It's the presence of God that makes us distinguishable as God's people. It's the presence of God that made me walk into a church service and say there is something different. Man, I'm not enjoying the fact that we don't have city campus services this year. I really am not. But I am enjoying the fact that because I'm not busy going backwards and forwards, I've been able to spend more time in the foyer. And person after person after person that I talk to says, I came to arise. And the moment that I walked into a service, we were in the middle of a song and people were lifting God up, but there was something there and I knew that I didn't have it in my life. Church, that's what we need. It is called the presence of God. We need that presence. When the presence of God comes to our lives, it's going to do four things. The first one that it's going to do is the presence, or He is going to do, the presence of God is going to transform our emotional state. Did you know that the Holy Spirit has fruit? Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit in the first three are love, joy, and peace. Two of those are emotions, joy and peace. And the Bible is saying that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, that is when emotions begin to change. This is so powerful. I want to ask you a question. How do you think I keep doing this? <laughs> I mean, this is a demanding job. I forget, I'll never forget sitting in a, a, a green room, Nate, with Pastor Phil Pringle of, in uh, July of 2002, saying to him, what advice would you give a young church planter if I was going to go and plant a church? He said, don't. <laughs> Beg God that He will free you from the burden. But, and how do you think I keep doing this with the pressure and the people that say things and the media and what have you and all the, the circumstances? And of course, we dumped COVID in the middle of that. How do you think I keep going? I keep going because it doesn't just, I'm not just decided by how I feel. Because I can be intimidated by it. A media story, or I can be, I can be fearful of circumstance, or I can look and see pressure, or I can feel overwhelmed because the multitude of the need that is out there in our community. But then I don't just have to deal with my problems myself, and my friend, neither do you. But in that moment, I can choose to pray, and I can choose to worship. And as I begin to pray, and as I begin to worship. I should be discouraged, but I start getting encouraged. I should be feeling defeated, but I start declaring victory. I should be thinking that this is all coming tumbling down, but God's speaking and I'm seeing future dreams. I'm seeing God making a way. And even when I don't know specifically how we're gonna get there, there is His presence telling me, I'm with you, I'm for you, you're greater than this. I'm preaching to somebody in this auditorium who needs to know you're not just your feelings. Did you hear me? You're not just your feelings. You can take your feelings into the presence of God. And the Bible says that He gives us the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that He gives us joy instead of mourning, the oil of joy instead of mourning. I need about five seconds of praise. I need people to jump to their feet, give God some praise, that He is the one who clothes us in garments of praise. It's the presence. It's the presence. It's His presence. We're singing in our church at the moment. You are the absence of fear. You cast depression away. All anxiety bows. 
at the sound of your name. You are the reason for hope. You set the captive free. In you the battle is won. You hold the victory. If you believe he's the one who drives away depression, the God who breaks the power of our fear, if you believe he's the God who changes us, heals us, frees us, why don't you give him about 30 seconds of praise in this auditorium right now? I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Praise him for three more seconds. That's the God we worship. That's the God we worship. The God who changes our emotional state. This is so important for us to know because we are a generation being told that you are what you feel. This is an imprisoning mindset being thrust upon a generation that are yet to discover what it is to step into the presence of God. You are not what you feel. You shouldn't even decide what you feel until you're standing in the presence of God. The second thing that happens when we come into the presence of God is that He transcends our natural understanding. If Wellington has a challenge, it would be that we have a lot of bright people who live here. It's a blessing. I remember coming to Wellington and everything worked. I couldn't believe it. I was in Auckland and suddenly the train, you know what I mean, Tony? It's like the trains work, the buses work. Most of the time, we can find enough drivers, but like the city works, you know, everything's great. And it's because we have a city that is full of great people, of, of very bright people that work in government, other offices, head offices of companies, etc. But listen, your natural understanding, it might have got you a good job, but it doesn't mean it has given you a good state. I've been a pastor now for a lot of years, and let me tell you, there are a lot of bright people out there that are struggling a lot. That's why we need the presence of God. Because He transcends our natural understanding. Humanly, I can look at things and I can feel things and discern things and I can even strategize and decide things. But when I get into the presence of God, it's not just what Cameron can muster, it's not just what you can fathom, but a God who is greater, greater than our reason, greater than our intellect. A God who created the heavens and the earth and holds them in the palm of His hands and in whom all things fit together can show us a greater understanding than we have naturally. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 might be my most often quoted scripture, I think because I pastor in this city. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Mental note, don't skip the praise song. Just wanted to throw that out there. We've got a, like 900 car parks outside. You can come to church early. I'm literally not even joking for you. You can do it. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, whatever you're freaking about, freaking out about, take it to God. And then the Bible says, and the peace of God that transcends our natural understanding. That transcends all understanding, or another translation says natural understanding, 
will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, the presence of God is going to go beyond what we could naturally fathom. And suddenly in the presence of God, we're not seeing things linearly. We're not seeing things naturally. We're not seeing things chronologically or sequentially. But in the presence of God, we are seeing things revelatorily. We are seeing things through the lens of the Holy Spirit. And we don't know how we know, but we know that what we know, we know. And God is bigger than this and He's going to get me through this and a miracle's on the other side and God hasn't left me alone. That's what you discover when you're in the presence of God. I hope he doesn't mind me this, telling the story. He's probably going to charge me money for it afterwards. But when my son Will, who's sitting over here today, was three years old, he contracted an autoimmune disease. And I will never forget that day because he was three years old. He'd already taught himself how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. I came outside one day and he was just doing it. Like I never got that whole moment of running alongside. You can go. It's kind of selfish, Will. You said, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. And then here's my boy, suddenly very, very sick. I was in Melbourne at the time. I couldn't fly home. And they told us he was, he was very sick. And I remember getting into my hotel room. I, I, it's a long story. I've got to keep it short. But I was just so afraid. I was so afraid. When you're full of fear, you cannot connect with the presence of God easily. Fear is the anti-faith mindset. Perfect love drives out all fear. Fear comes from torment. Torment and fear are from the devil. God is the God of peace. And I was trying to connect with God, but it was like it was a million miles away. So I just, I just had to keep praying. So I prayed for one hour, two hours, three hours, half past two in the morning. I've been praying for now like four or five hours. I've been quoting every scripture on healing that was in the Bible, and suddenly in that hotel room, in the suburbs of Melbourne, suddenly the Holy Spirit's presence just finally, finally just came into that hotel room. I knelt on the floor. I was in His presence. It's like, Lord, I need your help. And the Lord showed me a picture of Will as a young man. And he was tall, a head taller than the people that were standing around him. He still had his blonde hair. He was popular. And in my mind, I knew that he was coordinated, which is what the disease threatened. And I knew in my heart of hearts that he was going to be okay. I couldn't know it naturally. Now, if you've seen him, he's turning 14 next month. He's already got 10 centimeters on his dad, still has blonde hair, good looking, handsome, coordinated, and popular. I just, that's, he, is literally, he is literally a 10-year testimony of one of the darkest moments in my life. But I needed that presence. Sometimes when we're in trouble, we go everywhere else but to His presence. And the Bible just puts it like this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the mighty. I will say, He is my rock. He is my fortress. My God and Him will I trust. When you're in the presence of God, the third thing is that it's synonymous with God's voice. When you're in the presence of God, that's when God's voice begins to speak. That's why we need to be in the presence of God. I am concerned that we develop, if we're not careful, a carnal Christianity. That we are Christian by name, but not by living relationship. I don't just tell people that I'm married to Jillian. I have a living, ongoing, developing, constantly connecting relationship with Jillian. And that's why our relationship works. 
And we don't just need Christians who can profess the name of Jesus, but are unable to identify when they last communed with Jesus. We need a generation of believers that are abiding in the presence of God. Because when you're abiding in the presence of God, it's synonymous with His voice speaking. When you get into God's presence, that's when dreams and visions come alive. When you get in the presence of God, that's when His voice begins to challenge. He challenges us because He loves us. He aligns us to live the right way. He says that compromise, you gotta let it go. That filthy attitude, you've gotta drop it. That unforgiveness, you gotta let it move. When you're in the presence of God and every time God speaks, you're carrying that unforgiveness and He says you've gotta let it go and He's freeing your soul, my friend. And you thought you had no destiny and He begins to speak over your life and say that I love you and I've called you and I've ordained you and everybody needs. We all need that presence. We all need that voice. You gotta come back tonight because tonight I'm gonna talk to you about how you can step into the presence of God and how you can abide in the presence of God. And it's gonna be powerful, but let me close with this number four. The fourth thing that happens when we get into the presence of God is that it ushers us into worship. When I first became a Christian, I did not understand worship. I'm being honest with you. I would read the Bible, but the books I liked to read the most was everything from Romans onward. And maybe the Gospels, because it was linear, it was teaching, it showed me how to live. Maybe, maybe, I've never been a lawyer, but maybe I had a lawyer's mindset, but I was like, right, wrong, do, don't, I'm down with that, I got it, I understand it. I would read the Psalms, and it was like reading the phone book. I would lift my hands in worship out of duty. I did it because the youth group did it. I did it because people around me did it. But I didn't get it. But I'll never forget after my second experience, my first was my salvation, and my second was that moment that I had during that conference with Winky Prattney, those two moments in one week. I remember sitting in my car in the Waitakere Ranges shortly after that, opening my Bible, and it fell to the Psalms. And as I began to read the Psalms, I didn't lift my hands, but it was like the chirping of the birds was the song of heaven. It was like the words on the page was confessing love towards God and it wasn't just me reading it, but it was seemed to echo what was happening on the inside of me. Worship ushers us into the presence of God. You cannot be in the presence of God without feeling compelled to worship. And if you want the presence of God, begin to worship. This is why as a pastor, I'm always gonna bring a rise church back till they drag me from the pulpit and lock me in a retirement home. I'm gonna keep preaching about the power of worship. I think one of the greatest tragedies for us as Christians would be that we have access to worship but that we fail to do so. What's the greatest threat to a move of God, John? I'll tell you. I've studied this for 30 years. Let me tell you what it is. Religious expectation. Our greatest obstacle in growing a rise church has not been getting people saved. We get people saved every service, every week, every campus, everywhere. Our greatest challenge has not been new people. Again, a hundred people a week, a thousand people have joined our church in the last few months. Never been our greatest challenge. Money, well, we could do with a lot more of it, but the truth is God's always provided. The greatest challenge I've seen in all my years of pastoring has been Christians 
who attend church without any expectation, without any thought that this could be anything other than a religious religious ritual or function or a tick box or I got my kids here. If you want a revival, you need people that are coming to church with an expectation and a desire that they are gonna meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that they are gonna see the presence of Jesus. Anything could happen because we're not just in an ordinary environment, but we're now in the presence of God. Come on, if you believe it, stand to your feet and give God some praise in this place right now. So much, so much of what is wrong with our world today could be cured through worship. So much of what is wrong in your life could be cured through worship. We are living in a world today where it's becoming hard to describe the morality of our faith because people have become so separated from the experience of it. It's a challenge. Because without Jesus, then you do tend to hang on to things that you shouldn't. But when you worship, worship is the cure. Worship is the cure in our lives for our lust, for our coveting, for our ingratitude, for our envy, for our comparison, for our unforgiveness. It's what shakes us free of that. It's when we get into the presence of God. My wife's always saying to me, Christy Lee, she's like, John, you keep forgetting when people hurt you. That person really hurt you. It was only a year ago, two years ago, and I saw you and you're like embracing them like they're the best, your best friend. And I think the only reason why is because if I'm gonna keep doing this, I can't worship, I can't step into the presence if I let the hurts of somebody else rule any moment of my life because God requires of us. And what we need in our lives, my friends, is worship. And if you worship, you'll get the presence. And if you want the presence, then begin to worship. And when we're in the presence, we find ourselves worshiping. What we need is worship, worship, worship. We need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.